Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Of course, uh, great news. We've got some cricket commentary coming up on that New Zealand tour of uh, Pakistan. And, uh, yeah, the boys will be uh, commenting on that uh, throughout those matches. Should be fascinating listening. Uh, on the subject of cricket, uh, really looking forward to talking to uh, my next guest, who is uh, Mark Ginty. Of course, uh, Mark is a well-known sports journalist. Uh, principally, though, uh, he's been uh, the number one cricket journalist for cricket probably the best part of uh, almost two decades now. So he's been there, done that, seen a lot. Um, Mark, good morning to you. And uh, Pakistan, I would imagine, always brings back mixed memories for you. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, exactly right. Yeah, it, um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Black Caps playing there, first of all, for the first time in a while. But yeah, yeah very mixed memories. I, I mean, the first ones were pretty fond ones. I actually quite enjoyed touring there. It was a really interesting place and uh, you know the people were incredibly friendly the hospitality was wonderful but um, yeah obviously the topic of our discussion is, is what happened in 2002 which was uh, yeah memories are still pretty uh, vivid of that. Well you, you're just not part of it I mean you know you were, were there on the spot but you had to really view it in two ways I guess because uh, you were probably one of the only journalists in the world that was actually I know Brian Waddle was there but in terms of um, journos as such I mean, you couldn't have um, been more close to the spot that it happened. So just take us back to, you know, what you were doing at the time and, and the immediate aftermath in, in your eyes. Yeah, uh, you're right. I couldn't have got much closer. So back in the, I was um, the cricket correspondent for the New Zealand Press Association, which we always sent a cricket writer on tours um, going way back. So, And you were essentially, I mean, you tried to be impartial, but you were essentially part of the team in, in a way. And that places like Pakistan, you would travel on the team bus, you'd stay in the team hotel, you'd be on the same floor as the players. Like in, in Karachi on that morning, I was, I think I was next door to Brian Waddle, but we were on the same, basically the same level as all the players. Um, you were essentially part of the, of the team in terms of the eyes of the, the hotel and, and, and the, the hosts. So, yeah, it was about 7.45 in the morning. It was the morning of the second test in Karachi. The first test had been a, a pretty much a disaster from a New Zealand viewpoint. And Zaman al had scored a triple century, which um, took some watching. And uh, and then Shoab Akhtar, even off a short run, had, had carved through uh, through the Black Caps and, and, and it had been a hefty defeat for them. So they were on a bit of a, a bit of a downer anyway. They, they'd gone to Karachi. Um, it was the morning of the second test. It was about 7.45. I was still asleep, to be honest. Um, about, I think my alarm was set for 8 o'clock to get up and dash to the ground. So, um, yeah, I, I was lying there and uh, it was more the sound of breaking glass first that got me rather than any kind of explosion sound and the, the glass kind of burst through the curtains and, and the curtain curtain rail 
um, crashed to the floor and the glass got one and pretty pretty close to the bed where I was lying. So I was straight off the other side and onto the floor and um, it was just chaos, um, noises noises everywhere, sirens pretty quickly. Um, basically it happened right outside outside my window and, and the windows of most of the players which is looked out onto the street and the other side of the road was... Um, was another hotel which um, where the uh, French and German naval engineers were staying who um, were working on something in the Karachi port and that was the target of the, the suicide bomber who had uh, driven his little Suzuki car into the side of the bus that, that was carrying them down to the port. So that happened basically on the road directly outside the Pearl Continental where we were staying and um, I think it was a Hyatt or something on the other side where incidentally um, Danny Morrison was was staying as, as a commentator and, and also Jeff Thompson, the former Australian fast bowler, two of them were in that hotel, so um, they had some tales to tell as well. So basically, it was complete chaos. I looked out the window, and uh, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't see any any awful sights. But the bus was just completely disintegrated, and um, and basically at that point we had to get out. So I, I walked outside, and um, Reg Dickerson, who's the Australian former detective, who's um, who's a security long-time security expert, and is now with the Black Caps in Pakistan. He was there with us moustache bristling and um, bellowing for everyone to get the hell out so um, everyone got down to the lobby and got out and uh, kind of reassessed where we were but um, I think everyone was basically thankful that uh, I mean there were I think 14 or 15 deaths which was horrible but I think um, a lot of the a lot of the black caps are pretty well obviously very shaken up and then relieved that but some of their number were, were probably very close to being caught up in it too. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I suppose there was a suspicion, a slight suspicion before you got the facts that the team, being a high-profile team in Pakistan, could have well been a target themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That was the thought. Um, they were, uh, yeah, my feeling at the time was it was just just a bizarre it's kind of it's such a surreal feeling, just not kind of, I mean, I don't, I was... A little bit. I wouldn't say it was fear. It was just sort of what, what's happening, and, and we're okay. Everyone's okay. Apart, obviously, everyone in the hotel was okay. So it's just a matter of where where to from here. But um, certainly, there were some there were some really white faces in the black caps lineup. They were they were terrified and thought that they'd, they'd you know basically they'd been they'd had a go at them and tried to get them. But mm. um, it, it became clear afterwards that it was it was you know they hit their target, which was the the naval engineers. But um, yeah, there was it was it was outright fear amongst the, the ranks um, I remember being out the front of the hotel and we actually went round the side to the swimming pool area which was deemed, as, deemed to be the kind of safest place which was just by the car park which was still pretty close to where everything was happening and um, Stephen Fleming was, was there and he actually had he actually had blood on his t-shirt because, was, because Dale Shackle who was the physio was um, he'd actually been on the team bus which was going to take the early arrivals to the ground uh, the, early, the early crew and um, he actually been on the bus, and uh, which was parked out the front, and, and the, the windows had blown in. And, and Dale was the only one who, who sort of bore the scars, so to speak. He hit a cut elbow, and um, I, I just remember Dale was there, and he, you know he was okay apart from that. And um, Stephen Fleming had, had blood on his t-shirt, and he went and went, walked over and picked up a what looked like a car bumper or something, a piece of shrapnel, which was lying very close. So a few of the players sort of peeked around the corner and had a look at, at what you know the, the scene, which was. Pretty horrific bowl accounts. I, I couldn't really bring myself to do that, um, uh, but they saw yeah a few sights. So a, a man ran past with his arm missing, which is pretty horrific and pretty harrowing. Um, and obviously there were you know there were 
few bodies and some pretty awful scenes just just beside the bus. So yeah, that very yeah. You know, obviously everyone was 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 shocked and, and appalled, and and I think the first thought was how, how are we going to get home? And you got home pretty quickly, of course. Uh, I don't think it was too long before you were ushered onto uh, other transport and um, and out, which must have been of great relief. I mean, the journalist in you, I suppose, still had to be slightly inquisitive because being on the spot, um, I, I, I guess people were expecting things from you, were they? That's right. Yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, basically no way out of, um, you know, you can't really say sorry, I'm not filing anything, I'm too, too shaken up. So, um, yeah, once everything was put in place and then we were, uh, Jeff Crow, the manager who, who you know very well, obviously he's a, a calm presence, a, you know, a, a perfect guy to have at the helm in that, in that situation. And he spoke a few words and basically said, yeah, we're, um, we're on a flight in four hours. Um, just, you know, just sit tight and, um, you know, call my father. It was, I had a phone and a few of the players, you know, used it to call their loved ones. And um, and then I thought, well, I, I better um, better do my job. So I, walked, I actually got back up to my room. They, they deemed the hotel was safe. And so I sat there, you know, pre- you know, with glass everywhere and the window basically open to the air with this, um, you know, this crumpled bus outside and ambulances and things coming and going. And um, I followed what I could what I could muster, really, Um Back home, and I could still get a you know dial-up internet in those days. The phone lines were still working, so I managed to get a connection and um, bought my story home. And um, my colleagues in the office were fantastic and supportive and everything. And uh, yeah, they I followed the story through, and then then um, packed my bags and we went downstairs and got on the bus, and which was basically full presidential security. Obviously, the roads were closed off, mm. cops everywhere, and um, we escorted to the airport and. Um, Everyone breathed a, a great sigh of relief when we got there. Of course, that wasn't the end of it, and uh, the coup de grace in, in terms of uh, Pakistan hosting world cricket was uh, the Sri Lankan tour where the bus was actually attacked by terrorists, and there was no doubt who the target was there. So uh, now we find ourselves back there, Mark. Uh, fortunately, you're able to be with modern technology to cover this tour from um, the, the safety of home, and I'm not saying it's unsafe there now. Uh, because they've done their homework, I've, I've gone back in there, Imran Khan of course is the Prime Minister, um, wonderful cricketer, he certainly will make sure that every every possible chance uh, has been negated of any problem at all. Uh, you've written a story already I see with uh, Martin Guptill being quoted um, uh, as opposed to about bulletproof buses and things like that, so I guess in your mind you've probably got a fairly clear picture of what they're about to go through. Yep, um, I brought back some memories of seeing some photos of the hotel where they're staying in Royal Pindi, which is um, or Islamabad, one that's nearby. Um, yeah, yeah, they're going to be incredibly safe because, well, they're going to feel incredibly safe. And as you say, I mean, I think things are a lot less volatile. I mean, there is a slight concern, well, you know, concern among some about the uh, Afghanistan situation and the Taliban taking over there, and whether that does spill over to Pakistan, and whether there's any, you know, any any. Um, anything going to happen there, um, or any any kinds of attacks or anything? So, but yes, they've they've, they've gone through the process. They're, um, they're they're confident. Obviously, Reg Dixon, who I mentioned before, is there. He's been there for two weeks, so they're pretty um, set on how they're going to be looked after. And it is a massive level of security, as, as Martin Guttwell described. Uh, you know, bulletproof bulletproof vans, um, motorcades, armed police everywhere, closed roads, um, hotel heavily fortified. So. Basically, they're going to be yeah. They're in the hotel. They're going to get these these vans to the ground, um, which will have 25% capacity spectators. I think more for COVID-19 than anything. 
Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, it's it's a yeah. It, it's I think the players all seem reassured that that, uh, that they're being well looked after and um, they're, they're feeling pretty safe. And incidentally, when we went back at the end of two thousand and three, it was it did feel that way. The, the, the Black Cats went back at the end of two thousand and three with a few players out and Chris Kens as captain and. They uh, had a second-string team, and, and I remember being on that tour and just feeling um, incredibly safe the whole time. So, um, I mean, obviously you can't 100% guarantee everything, but um, I think that that level of security at the moment is um, it, it looks pretty good for them. Yeah, just finally, uh, I mean, uh, just looking at this series coming up, Mark, up against it, no DRS, local umpires, and a Pakistan side relishing the uh, the opportunity to get at us on their home conditions. Uh, uh, and not our very, very, very top side. So, what are you expecting out of this? Yeah, it's um, low expectations. I think, I think like Bangladesh, really, there were low expectations, and, and the Black Caps exceeded expectations by winning two matches with a second-string lineup. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, Pakistan are a pretty good side. They've, uh, they're not just packed with spin either. They've got the the usual very good pace attack led by Shaheen Sharafri, who we've seen in New Zealand, who's, a, who's an absolute absolute star and um, can, can cause some real damage. So I think, uh, I guess the one thing is that they're expecting the pitches are going to be better than Bangladesh. They're going to be probably a bit truer. Um, obviously with Pakistan having a, a decent pace attack, they're not going to, probably not going to prepare dust bowls and um, turning tracks like they may do, but um, looks like there might be better conditions for batting. But yeah, I mean, I think the bowling's reasonably solid in New Zealand. They've got, well, they've got probably too many pacemen again and, and the three spinners, but uh, the batting's Things a bit of a worry without you know all the guns there, and also Ross Taylor, who's who's opted out or kind of had a chat and decided mm. that going over for three ODIs in Pakistan and then doing a fortnight of managed isolation wasn't really a, a good idea with his young family. That probably that makes sense completely. So they're they're pretty threadbare in the batting. I mean, Colin de Gronholm, where does he fit in? He's he's probably the mm. he probably almost has to play, or if, if Tom Blunder was injured or still injured, he definitely has to play at number six. So that's going to be I guess mm. a big watch as to whether he can break out of his, um, his awful slump and showing kind of form. But yeah, the, the top five is a pretty green-looking top five with um, for the ODIs anyway. There's no gut duel until the T20s and a few, uh, you know, obviously Tom Latham and Henry Nichols anchoring the batting there, which is good, and, and then some young guys around them. Will Young, who batted very well in Bangladesh in pretty trying conditions. So they've got the base there, a reasonable team, but they're going to have to play absolutely out of their skins to, to pinch one of these ODIs. And they'll probably have a better chance in the T20s when a few of the reinforcements like Guptill and the light come in, but um, I guess one guy, Finn Allen, is, is always going to be interesting to watch, and um, hopefully he can he can fire in the ODIs alongside uh, I guess Henry Nichols at the top and, and give him a real flyer because he showed some really good signs of Bangladesh in that last game, recovering from COVID, which is a pretty good effort from him. So yeah, I mean, it's, I'm looking forward to this, but um, I, I guess the expectations aren't going to be overly high as they were in Bangladesh too. Hey Mark, uh, thanks so much for reliving those uh, horrific scenes and those harrowing moments uh, that uh, you'll never forget as long as you live and I'm sure the, the Black Cap squad members won't uh, ever forget that either. Uh, thanks so much uh, for, your, for your work too that you're doing in cricket and keeping us updated uh, as they uh, make their way around the world. Um, been fascinating chatting to you. All right, Smitty, thank you. Yeah, yeah, cheers, Mark Ginty there um, and he will uh, in terms of uh, your stuff reports keep you up to date ball by ball on the series coming up. Amazing thoughts there, um, John. I can only echo them. Uh, I was uh, bombed out of Sri-, Sri Lanka in 1987. Just such a uh, hollow feeling in the gut and a worrying feeling in your head that cricket uh, disappears very, very quickly from any of your thoughts.